Stardate 98102.81. Welcome back to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast covering brand new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant and unwashed captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen is Mariah Gossett, Clyde Haynes, and Grant Davis. I got your loofah, buddy. I'm going to bring it over there. Give you a nice scrub down. Yeah, I need it. Uh, This week, we're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, celebrating another one of our favorite characters from Star Trek Discovery in anticipation of Discovery Season 3, whenever the hell that's coming out. This time, we're focusing on Philippa Georgiou, Prime and Mirror Universe variety, played, of course, by Michelle Yeoh. That's coming up, and we're also going to share our opinions on the big Star Trek Lower Decks news that came out this week. Surprise, surprise. And we want to know what you guys think about that show. Of course, we will be we will be covering that show um, every week when it comes out. And uh, But first, I want to announce something really cool. I want to announce that we were able to raise more than $600 to support organizations... Uh, that promote racial justice in America. That's awesome. That is amazing. So great. Fantastic. We believe Black Lives Matter, and that's why we're donating 100% of our Patreon funds for the month of June, plus listener donations to organizations supporting Black Lives Matter, including the Austin Justice Coalition in our home of Austin, Texas, uh, 401, and the Black Lives Matter Global Network. And I truly want to thank everyone who donated Outside of our regular patron dues, we are truly humbled by your help uh, for this important cause. We'll be sending the funds to the organizations later this week after Patreon finishes doing its collecting. And this just means a lot to us. And we're so happy we could all come together as a community to help raise awareness and show some support for BLM. Thank you so much. And we're not done with that. We're doing another fundraiser for the month of July. Mariah, can you tell us more about that? Yes. So we realized that as this pandemic continues on, there are more needs within the community. Um, And so for the month of July, we're going to be donating funds as well as you can donate to our collective using the same link um, that we have been using, donate.startrekpod.co. We will be donating to the Okra Project and the Central Texas Food Bank. Uh, The Okra Project is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by Black trans people by bringing home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources to Black trans people wherever they can reach them. Uh, It's a really cool organization. They bring in a trans chef into these folks' homes um, and actually has them cook for them and provide meals. It's a really interesting and awesome organization. Um, And then the Central Texas Food Bank is our local food bank here in Austin. Um, They have been on the front line of hunger relief with the help of partner agencies in 21 counties across Central Texas. In last fiscal year, they provided 39.2 million pounds of food to families in need. And right now, on average, they're feeding over 200,000 individuals every month. So really great organizations. And I'm glad we can continue to raise funds for folks in need. And thank you guys so much for your support. That's awesome. I didn't know about the the Ochre Project, but I love this idea of them like going to the, the house to actually have that kind of that contact, that direct outreach like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really neat organization. I didn't know it was that, was that involved. That's great. 
Me either. And the whole idea of culturally specific meals um, is fascinating. I mean, that is, um, that's important. Like very considerate, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to remind everybody to, um, especially our live viewers, if you could remember to tag at Star Trek Pod or top ca- type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital Pod um, in front of your comments. We will mention them later on the show, um, on tonight's show. And make sure that you share your favorite Giorgio moment, prime or mirror, um, and any other opinions that you have about Captain Philippa Giorgio tonight. And we'll uh, keep an eye out in the chat for that. All right. Uh, before we dive into Giorgio, I do want to talk about the Lower Decks announcement and the teaser and some of the just what you guys think about it and if you're in the chat guys let us know what you think about what we've seen so far of lower decks first of all before we get to that i think mariah has a story to tell us about how she's famous now how are you famous mariah apparently um i had a weird moment uh, over the weekend it was awesome Um, not weird it was it was awesome um so if any of y'all have been to some of the cons in uh vegas or on the cruise ship you might know the organization gaze in space that's how i have to say it every time um they have been doing um virtual meetups and chats with the cast uh from star trek discovery benefiting different charity organizations specifically around the lgbtqia plus community um which of course you know i'm going to support um and so i made a donation and got to go on the stream and i I highly recommend their events if y'all are ever looking to kind of meet up and chat with other folks within that community Um, But yeah, Anthony Rapp, who, if some of you might know, listens to our pod on the occasion, uh, was one of the guests, and I got chosen for one of their trivia uh, portion of the evening, and he was playing on my behalf, and when they read out my name, he went, wait, from the podcast? So I had a very large fangirl moment, so I was very excited, (laughs) and he says hello. (laughs) He surprises me so much every time he mentions us, it's like... So cool. He recognized you just off of your name. I know. I mean, it is your voice, a weird right? and unique name. And uh, well, they read my name off and then I appeared on the view screen. Uh-huh. And um, and I was like, yes, from the podcast. And he was like, oh, Mariah is on the Star Trek Discovery pod. And they, they cover Discovery and Picard. Uh-huh. So very cool. And wow. so if anyone is joining us who saw that on Gaze in Space, hello and welcome. Um, can you sign autographs? For me. <laughs> Apparently, I want a signed poster of some kind that will be mailed to me at some point. So yeah. as soon as that gets here, it will be predominantly displayed. <laughs> <laughs> Can you turn it sideways in the back? <laughs> Can you zoom Anthony Rapp right now and get him on the pod? Yeah, just <laughs> special guest. We can try. <laughs> Damn, big time. Big time. I can't get over how exciting it is to know that he listens um yeah it's that's that's pretty cool that he actually listens us uh yeah and he he yeah. seems both him and mary chifo who is the other guest on the on the talk were just so 
wonderful to everyone who asks them questions. And like Mary Chifo is just so into everything Klingon. It's so impressive and like how deep she is into that and also how deep she is into social justice work. So if y'all are looking for someone to follow for resources and organizations, like she's posting about stuff all the time. Um, and I and I'm continually impressed with her performance and her acting skills. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to Laurel b- before we get season three and we can talk about her character as well. Mary Chifo is pretty amazing. Just I've seen her in a bunch of interviews, so it's just kind of impressive. I know. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so let's talk about Lower Decks, guys. And if you're listening, in case you haven't heard, we have a new Star Trek series premiering next month. Star Trek Lower Decks premieres Thursday, August 8th. And yes, we will be covering every episode on the pod weekly. Surprise, guys. I'm stoked. We'll be covering every episode. It's a 10-episode first season on CBS All Access. Um, They still haven't announced uh, what they're doing, like, overseas or if it's going to be – if it's going to drop – you know, in the morning or in the afternoon or whatever. So we'll have to figure that out as it comes along. But it's going to premiere on Thursday, August 8th. This is a comedic animated series. It's been in development for a while. It's created by Mike uh, McMahon, a writer and producer who worked on Rick and Morty, co-created Solar Opposites on Hulu, along with uh, Rick and Morty's Justin Roiland. And I think the show looks pretty awesome. Give me your takes, guys. What do you think? I mean, I love Justin Roiland. I love Rick and Morty. Um, I think uh, that that show is so clever with a lot of its writing, how it it plays on lowbrow humor, but also um, a lot of really considered world building and um, kind of layering in of of uh, details that end up paying off in future episodes. And I think those kind of elements as as well as, you know, um, just uh, wildly bizarre character antics can uh, really play into this in a a fun way and potentially bring in a wave of maybe at first toxic fandom that will hopefully benefit from being exposed to uh, the world of Star Trek. And in a positive way. Are you referring to the uh, the set Szechuan sauce heads? Oh yeah, I mean, Rick and Morty's great. Their fan base. Eh. Yeah. But then again, you know, I've heard that about a lot of. I heard that about the Trek fan base that that, that was going to be off putting, and that has not been my experience here. So, mm. but it was my experience with Rick and Morty. <laughs> I don't know what my point is there. I'm just saying, maybe. Uh, Maybe maybe we can get the positive benefits of it. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked. I loved the original animated series, so I think it's really fun to kind of revisit that in today's modern lexicon, which I think Rick and Morty has sort of surpassed like the pop culture meme culture is like so well known. And so that style is also very well known. I think of like Rick and Morty and like Bojack Horseman. Um, as being sort of those two sort of adult animated pillars out right now. Um, You know, and there's been the split is now there's solar opposites and then lower decks 
on the Rick and Morty, like half of that. And then there was um, Tuca and Birdie, uh, which is also getting revived as well. That's on the the BoJack Horseman side of the animated sort of stylistically. Um, but I really enjoy adult animation. So I don't know if it comes from my very twisted childhood of watching things like The Last Unicorn as being one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm I'm like really here for it. I also think the voice lineup is great and we're going to see some really funny um, performances. I had a feeling we might get this earlier than we were going to get Discovery just because I've talked with some other friends in like the film and animation circles and obviously animation can still happen remotely much easier than live action productions can. And so I think we will see not only a rise in how quickly we're going to see animated shows now, but I think we might also get more animated shows, honestly. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I love Tawny Newsome. I love her podcast. Um, Yo, is this racist? If anyone's looking for another podcast, it's very good. Um, and then Noelle Wells was one of my favorite um, uh, people from SNL. So I'm really excited. Uh, Mariah, what is this Lower Decks thing from the original series? What, 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 what's that about? Well, Clyder might be, might be able to explain it more because it's been a very long time since I've seen that episode. But there is um, a Star Trek The Next Generation episode called Lower Decks, which I believe is the inspiration point for this, which is all about sort of the periphery characters on the ship. Yeah. Lower Decks is a really great episode in which um, we don't focus on any of our main crew members on TNG. I think it was somewhere in the middle of the series, maybe season five, maybe later, but season season five or six or seven, I might be wrong. But it basically focused on four or five junior officers, maybe three or four junior officers and one uh, bartender who worked in 10 Forward. And it basically just follows them for a couple weeks and their lives. And it shows what, what they're like and gives us a different perspective outside of, uh, you know, it gives us, uh, gives us a different perspective on the, uh, the leads of the show. Like Riker comes off as kind of a gruff asshole to these guys. And Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is the next generation. Yeah, it was a TNG episode. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and it was, it was uh, season seven, episode 15. And kind of, I remember this now. I'm looking... Yeah, I'm looking at a, a poster. I remember uh, Nurse Alyssa Ogawa was in it, and that it was was the pull-in. Like, you had a, a couple other people, but um, the nurse is someone that we saw frequently kind of around, like, Beverly Crusher and whatnot. And so that was kind of the pull-in to, to kind of seeing this group of regular Joes on a star starship. So kind of cool. If I remember right, the the Lower Decks episode it has a lot of comedic moments, but it ends up being a tragic story that is really heartfelt and really impactful. One of the more impactful season seven episodes before the finale. I remember really liking it. And it's it's kind of surprising to see it associated with a comedic animated show, even though it's kind of about crew members in a similar position because the lower decks episode is is pretty sad um but who knows maybe that'll speak to the complexity that we're not seeing uh in the promos for the lower decks animated show like like rick and morty sometimes it can be pretty dramatic and pretty dark and pretty deep so 
hopefully we'll get a lot more from the Lower Decks animated show than than just a bunch of good jokes. Yeah, I think I am taking a bit of a wait and see. Like, I think Rick and Morty is is a pretty cool show. It took me a while to kind of get into it. It wasn't until, you know, Mr. Me Seeks that I actually started thinking like, okay, I, I kind of see where we're going. That being said, this feels a little potentially off-brand for Star Trek um, from a humor standpoint. It makes me want to go out and take a look at Solar Opposites to to see what that tone might be like. Um, but that's my only thing is like, okay, where are we going? Because so far, everything that we've seen, while different, when you look at Discovery and Picard, the brand has been similar, if if not evolved. And if I think like, if you were to ask me, what do I think about Rick and Morty meets Star Trek? I'm like, I feel like you're coming in from two very far places in terms of kind of tone. So I'm, I'm, I'm super curious. I'm excited about Star Trek branching off into different iterations. Cause uh, you might've had me at Don Lewis. So I think I'm in <laughs> Clyde, you and I, and Jerry O'Connell too, Clyde, you and I, um, kind of grew up with the TNG, the DS9, the Voyager, the Star Trek shows of the 90s, which even though they had their differences, like for the large part, visually, tonally, they were very similar. And I think what we're seeing now with the new iteration uh, or the new era of Star Trek, we're seeing different shows. Discovery, it's its own thing. Picard was similar to Discovery, but it wasn't as action-based or as bombastic. It was more poetic, a little slower, more of a drama. So that was somewhat of an offshoot. And now we're getting a comedic animated show. And then we're going to get Strange New Worlds, which is going to be kind of a modern type of throwback. So I love all these different iterations of Trek we're getting now. It It's going to keep the brand fresh, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Are we going to dive into talking about Michelle Yeoh? Nah. Let's let's call it. We're done. Now, <laughs> we're done. I actually have good a, show. There are a few comments about lower decks that I wanted to bring up uh, from the chat real quick. All right. Yeah. So Dennis McElwain says there's a surprising amount of criticism for lower decks just for how it looks, and I don't really want to take too much time talking about this. But uh, do we have a shot of the ship? Is there a shot of the ship that we can bring up? Oh, I think that poster you had pulled up the first Yeah, image. let me do that. There's a ship. Um, people are mad about the ship already. Like, I'm just seeing this online everywhere. Like, oh, the ship looks dumb. It's upside down. And why are the nacelles not connected to the thing? And who cares? <laughs> it's a cartoon. <laughs> it looks awesome. It looks great. I love that it has these purple hues. It's just I don't great. understand Trek people complaining ever. Never. <laughs> what? It kind of looks like a, a star tr- like a starship Cadillac to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's cool. Yeah, it looks kind of red. And maybe yeah. it's a simple enough shape you can just animate it a bunch. Well, I'm also, you know, I like to think about things within like the, the you know, cinematic universe, the, the universe that's created by the storytellers. And I'm like, in my mind, what if like Lower Decks is an animated show 
that is taking place during like the Federation time. Because like we have shows in contemporary sphere that are animated that are about, you know, like police and mutant ninja turtles and like you have to suspend your reality and so in my mind i'm like what if this is like an animated show that like starfleet officers would watch <laughs> oh, okay. in which everything is fantastical so it doesn't have to exist as this as it's canon in this universe it's instead a fantasy of this universe i get that that would be a cool idea but i believe it is in canon i think they trek or cbs has come out and said this is in canon it takes place right after the last TNG movie. So it's kind of in that in-between space after, um, was it Nemesis? After Star Trek Nemesis and between, between Nemesis and Picard. Hmm. And um, we might get some TNG cameos on this show as well, which could oh, be pretty cool. I'm into that. Yeah. What is Michael Dorn doing? <laughs> Yeah, I would love to hear Michael Dorn show up on this show. What else do you guys think about this show? Are you ready to cover it? Yeah, and it's only going to be 10 episodes. It's going to be quick. It's easy. It's animated. It's going to be fun, light, airy stuff we can talk about. Do we know if it's going to be an hour or a half hour format? I believe it's a half hour. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking forward to being able to talk about a show again, <laughs> I, I guess. Not not that it hasn't been fun getting to do these character deep dives, but in a way, it does seem like we're just kind of antsy for that next show to mm-hmm. kind of pop up. So, yeah, I want to, you know, dig in. I want the new content. Uh, Marge says Lower Decks features an African-American female captain. So that's great. Hmm. All right. Do we want to dive into some Giorgio talk? Let's do it. The pansexual villain of my dreams. <laughs> uh, there were a couple questions in the comments. Like, are we going to talk about Prime Giorgio? Are we talking about Mirror Giorgio? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is yep. yes. Uh, we really don't have a um, an outline for how this conversation is going to go. I just really wanted to celebrate Michelle Yeoh, who I really love. And I've been a fan since Crouching Tiger. And was so excited to see her, to hear that she was going to be on a Star Trek show. Um, even though when we watched the premiere of Discovery of season one, I was just waiting for her to die because I think she was billed as a guest star. Billed as a red shirt, I believe. Billed as a red shirt. (laughs) And sure enough, she did. Um, but as the season went on, she came back and it's been a pretty wild ride with Mira Giorgio. Um, I do have some, I guess I want to get your hot take. On Mary Giorgio right now. So let, let's hear some hot takes or hot freaks. Hot freaks. Hot freaks. <laughs> I won't go first after having said that. <laughs> yeah, my, I can go. My voice is giving out too. Yeah, go for it, Mara. I um. So I've actually just started rewatching Discovery from season one because I figure by the time I finish it, maybe we've get, I'm telling myself we'll have season three. <laughs> and um, I think it's phenomenal how incredible Michelle Yeoh's performance is between Prime and Mirrorverse. Because now at this point, we've seen Mirrorverse, Giorgio, over like a season and a half. And just seeing how different the mannerisms are and her speech patterns and how like in that first episode and then even when you get her last will and testament when um, when Michael gets the telescope, it's such a different 
aura to her, you know, for lack of a better word. Like it seems she seems so caring and loving and like a true mentor, but also obviously a badass. She goes hand to hand combat with some Klingons in that episode. And we see that she is such a well-rounded captain and is then, you know, it's, it's so phenomenal. Anyway, I, I'm just so thoroughly impressed. And then we get her in mirror, the mirror universe version of her, which is so like sort of Slytherin-esque <laughs> in a way, you know, she's conniving and, um, uh, ambitious but also a little like wink and nod evil but i think has the ability to transform as a character so i'm really excited to see what they do in season three um with her and then however whatever might happen with this section 31 spinoff i don't know if they're just like we want to hold on to her so we need another show or if it can just be like she's she's now in discovery anyway i love it i think Giorgio is a phenomenal captain and a phenomenal evil captain. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta agree with that, Mariah. I um I think part of it is when we see mirror universes, when we see kind of people, one actor playing twins, it's such a trope. It's and it's such a usually a goofy trope, right? It's it's the the mirror universe person has on, you know, a fake mustache um, and they're deliberately trying to, s- to seem completely opposite that I don't know what I completely expected. Right. And so I think part of what we saw when we talked about Tilly last time was that mirror verse Tilly was just kind of the complete opposite of Tilly, but it was really so much, m- much more kind of, confidence and the physical appearance, right? Like it was, it was kind of big and, and clear. The thing that is magnificent about the job that Michelle Yeoh does is it's almost like they're two absolutely different characters. You almost think that she approached it as two separate jobs altogether and really did the, the character work to figure out who they were though they came from a very similar kind of upbringing, you know, a lot of loss, um, you know, Sarek asked to take, uh, for her to take on Michael Burnham in both timelines, but they're so different in their mannerisms um, and how they think, how they move, that it's a, it's truly a magnificent performance by Michelle Yeoh. And it makes sense. I think Mike, like you, when you when we first heard about Discovery and you heard that it was going to be captained by Michelle Yeoh, you're like, well, this is legendary status, right? Like this is she's like she's she's got like Hall of Fame credentials, and then she dies in the first couple episodes. You're kind of like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> now I get it. You needed someone like her who could pull off what you were looking to do. So consider me a huge fan in the work that she did. Going out that, we have a comment from Marge. It says, yeah, Michelle drew, Michelle Yeoh drew me to disco. And I think this is, I didn't think about this, but that's probably true for a number of people. This was some star power that was brought into this show, which I'm sure attracted a lot of people to it. And 
just being a nerd who's not just a Star Trek nerd, but I'm a TV nerd, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that this international star uh, who was playing the captain of a ship that is not called the Discovery on Star Trek Discovery <laughs> is probably not going to, this character's probably not going to last very long. And uh, they probably paid this this international star some good money to show up in the pilot and bring some new eyeballs in. And that's what they did. But I wasn't there. I wasn't behind the scenes. But they knew what they had with Michelle Yeoh. And they brought her back in such, a, such an exciting way. Um, I really do love the the mirror, uh, Giorgio. I'm reading the um, this book. Oh, God. I mentioned it before <laughs> called Drastic Measures. This guy. And it's all about Prime Giorgio meeting Prime Lorca, which is like squee. Awesome. And it's great because the, the picture of Prime Giorgio we see in this book um, is – it's such a deeper picture of the character than we ever saw in Discovery, even though we did get some some good stuff from her in terms of um, how what type of leader she is, in terms of her being kind of a, a, um, a parental figure to Michael Burnham. And then when she passed and Mirrorverse Giorgio showed up, you know, sometimes it feels like the... Um, the writers just don't know what to do with the character in terms of, and this is a little bit of criticism, in terms of, um, oh, we're just going to make her what we want her to be um, for this story arc. So sometimes she's an absolute villain who's extremely unredeemable and like slaughters people and eats Kelpians and commits genocide. And sometimes she's like the really quippy, funny badass who we love to see slice up bad guys with a sword. I think what's interesting is that we haven't seen a full redemption for Mirror Yu Giorgio, even though she's stuck in the Prime Universe. And we have seen kind of a a softening of her villainy over the, uh, over the last season. But she kind of is still a genocidal, homicidal maniac, which gives her oh, yeah. like... A great edge. So I'm always toggling between my love for the way Michelle Yeoh plays this character and the danger and uncertainty and just the the quips that she offers and where she takes the story. And she's so unpredictable. And I love all that. But I'm also like, but deep inside, doesn't she like want to commit genocide and isn't that bad <laughs> she's a big fan of genocide as far yeah as i can remember i mean <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of that so <laughs> um yeah i mean there's this little known show it, it kind of passed under the radar of a lot of people but um it, it was called lost don't say lost <laughs> it was on it. uh it was on the channel it. abc <laughs> take a shot and if you guys are familiar with the show lost um one of the lead characters, Jack Shepard, was initially going to be played by none other than Michael Keaton. The Batman. He was going to be cast as that lead character because they had the exact same idea as what happens with Michelle Yeoh's Philippa Georgiou. He was going to be presented as the person who immediately takes charge, becomes the leader. Everyone turns to him 
and then he dies in the first or second two-parter episode pilot episode whatever however they had it planned that was going to be the big twist um michael keaton dropped out for whatever reason and probably lost out on a bunch of royalties whatever (laughs) but um i always thought that was such a cool idea and then when it kind of came to fruition here with Michelle Yeoh, I, I was like, ah, that's that's what I love. I, I, I that was a, a great way to establish this relationship. Give make make uh, Michael Burnham very vulnerable because a lot of what Giorgio does is she builds up the character of Michael Burnham for us, the audience, right? She's the maternal figure uh, for the beginning. She she makes Burnham. Um, a sympathetic character for her loss of of her her mentor and her maternal figure, and and uh, she also is a little bit of an antagonist in the first couple episodes because Burnham's butting heads with her in decisions of how they should handle that kind of, that whole situation. Give them a little bit of that Vulcan hello, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but she's given. Two hours in that 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 two part pi- pilot episode of Discovery, and that's that's a movie length of time for us to get to know a character. And I do feel like I had a really good sense of who she is in that those first couple episodes. Her drive, her character, and integrity that made it all the sweeter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that made it all the sweeter when we get this complete flip version of the mirror verse and you, you see that I got the sense at least that uh, Michelle Yeoh kind of started hamming it up at the beginning, but it felt like everyone was, Yeah, it felt like everyone in the mirror verse is just kind of mustache twirly, like we're evil. Um, so for it to play over the long haul, she had to make the character a little bit more grounded and, what I kind of take away from it is like, she is a survivor in the, in the world of the Mirrorverse, We have this Philippa Giorgio character who not only survived, but thrived to become the empress of the Mirrorverse. And you're right, Mike, that comes with a lot of genocide and eating of Kelpians and just being an absolute awful person. But to now have this chance to strip all that away from this character, take them away from their, their queendom and be like, you're now stuck in this prime universe where you've lost all of that. You've lost your actual daughter from that universe. You're stuck with this other version who does not care for you in the same way. You don't have the control of the universe. Like you had in a way it's lost, but it's also like, I'm sure a huge relief and how, um, Michelle Yeoh gets to play that character and kind of, um, grow and develop in a universe that isn't so cutthroat, but is a little bit more optimistic and, and roots for you is, it is fascinating and it does make her sympathetic. It, it, I mean, it, it reminds me, you know, of another, th- another show, Clyde, if you're, you want to check this one off the list, uh, Game of Thrones with with a lot of characters of course but um in particular jamie lannister you establish right in the beginning this guy shoves a little kid spoiler alert shoves a little kid (laughs) out of a turret of a a tower and uh, uh uh paralyzes him for life and 
uh, uh, like over the course of the seasons, you they redeem this character to the point where you're actively rooting and hoping that he can turn everything around and and be one of those archetypal heroes that we want in a story. <laughs> where are you getting these worst of photos? <laughs> anyway, I, I've, I've oh probably my taken up my my way more than my fair share of talking about this, but I um I think her character fits into this world so well and she does a fantastic job of making not only her storylines interesting but enriching the storylines of everyone else who has to work with that kind of character within this universe you make a really good point about her redemption and how discovery especially star trek in general but discovery especially does a good job of reminding us about the ethos of Star Trek, about its aspirational nature, right? Typically, the way it does that is by showing us the darkness first and then showing us the Starfleet way in order to get us into the light. And I think that's, I think with the character of Mirror Georgiou, we get a prime opportunity to see someone to change and to grow. And it's always about a, a bunch of outcasts mm-hmm. seeking some some form of redemption, mm-hmm. right? There's the person who left his entire um, species behind, and he wants to make that worth it. And uh, talking about Saru, there's Michael Burnham who committed uh, treason and uh, started a a war with what she thought was the best of intentions and she's seeking redemption, but she was cast aside from everyone. And there's of course, Philippa George, who's the worst of them all. But if she's in this environment with this, uh, this group, this ragtag group that are looking to kind of bring someone in um, and be a little bit more open and accepting because who among them is the first to throw a stone, right? Um, She's probably not used to that environment. She's used to the mirrorverse. I think it's it's really cool how we keep seeing that. Yeah, I was really surprised at the end of season two to see Mirror Giorgio hop into the future with the Discovery crew because I thought we were going to get a Section Thirty One show <laughs> starring Michelle Yeoh, which would have been fine. But I'm interested to see what happens in season three if. Somehow she's going to travel back and lead Section 31 there. Is she going to create Section 31 in the future? Um, And does that mean that there's going to be a rift between her and the Discovery crew that's unrepairable? Or are we just never going to get that Section 31 show? Which would be fine as long as we see her. I bet Strange New Worlds, like they saw the buzz around Mm -hmm. those characters and decided to just drop Section 31 and just keep her on the show. And yeah. They, they might have just dropped it or put it, you know, put it off to the side for a while, delayed it. Who knows? What do you guys think? Do you think we'll actually get that sh- Section 31 show? And if we don't, uh, what do you think the future for Michelle Yeoh's Mirror Georgiou is in Star Trek? I, I think that the Section 31 show is something nice to have in your back pocket. But like Grant said, I think Strange New Worlds... If you were kind of interested in about a Section 31 show, it was because you're a Star Trek nerd who was interested in Section 31 and the idea of bringing in and spinning off Michelle Yeoh. You were like, yeah, that seems cool. 
But when you saw Pike and you saw number one and you saw, I don't want to call her brace face, but when you saw those characters, you immediately knew I'm watching this show, right? Like it, and it was big enough, Strange New Worlds, at least to me, felt big enough that if you're going to put it on a pay behind a paywall, you need something that's really going to draw people in, right? Discovery has that type of cachet where people are going, well, I'm at least going to wait to right after the season and then drop my money so I can binge the season, right? I feel like they're stacking up these shows where it's going to get harder and harder to do that because the content is so compelling. They're, you're going to want to stay in. I think that's what you get with Section 31. I mean, with Strange New World. I don't know that that is what you were going to get with Section 31. And now what you have is you've got Giorgio on the Discovery where you can grow and evolve her character. I think she's going to stay a bit of the villain. I think you need... you you not Villain's the wrong word. I think what she becomes is the anti-hero. Because what we have is we've got a bunch of heroes. Even if you like Saru, we've got a bunch of heroes. I think Giorgio steps up to be the anti-hero against the true villains that that the ship will come in contact with. I don't know that she's going back. But if you find a hole in your schedule, you could always bring her back. Through some loophole, that'll be a stretch and we'll all take. We'll complain about it on a podcast for one week and then we'll <laughs> we'll mention it only when we re- recap the season. So according to Kurtzman, Section 31 was supposed to start filming after Discovery premiered. So because everything's been pushed back, but they have scripts done. It's show run by uh, Erica Lapolt and Bo Yang, uh, Yan, and they have already like started pre-production so apparently it did get pushed back because michelle yo was filming the new marvel um the legend of the ten rings oh the shang chi so mm -hmm. wow so it's 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 happening so we'll see how it kind of comes to fruition i think you know they announced the pike show because they've got a lot of push around it and so it was like let's make this big announcement it'll be very exciting it'll keep the fans at bay for a little while while we can't actually film anything so obviously everything has been paused due to due to covid um i know some uh, a lot of the production houses have been having really big meetings around safety and what it's going to look like there's talks about all actors shooting their own scenes individually and then having to be cgi together so it's going to be very interesting what television looks like in the next couple of years. So, so <laughs> please don't give me that, please. Yeah, I don't want. That. I don't want don't that either. So that. it's like I'd almost rather them wait for a vaccine and then we'll get. I, I'm kind of fascinated. I want to see it. I'm getting <laughs> Phantom Menace flashbacks. No, thank you. They just do South Park where it's a little paper versions of everyone <laughs> talking to each other. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll be, I think, you know, the whole redeeming story arcs, uh, Wakanda customer service put up, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about redeeming characters who have committed genocide war crimes. Um, you know, I kind of, I have mixed feelings because I think 
people can be redeemable and can come to be better people? Are they fully redeemed for what they've done? I guess that just that depends on your personal beliefs about all of these things. Yes, what they did is terrible, but we're also this is in a fictional world and she's coming from an, an even different universe anyway. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but I think on section 31, her evilness would almost be more interesting played there because she's, it's like how evil is too evil, right? If this is already a secret society, a secret, you know, sort of department within the Federation, like what is the level of evil going on here and how is she going to play into that? So, I'll be interested to see how her character ends at the end of season three. If they don't somehow get rid of her within the first few episodes, just sort of say she found a way to jump back and she's gone peace, you know? Right. Um, so we'll see what happens. Cause I could also see that happening because if she was, you know, due to scheduling with Marvel and trying to get all of that shot. Cause I know, I think that has like a, a release or at least a, a timeline of when that might be released. So um yeah shoot dates schedules this is all the boring stuff about tv but (laughs) but it's very relevant now yeah super relevant now to what yeah what content we're going to be getting but i agree with what you're saying mariah about you know her her being this villain and can it is a fictional world can she achieve this degree of of redemption to any any sort of satisfaction of the audience and you know it's 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 not going to be you know black or white it's not it's going to have to be something much more nuanced and having her grounded in a way that she has this this tether this relationship with michael burnham humanizes her to this this monstrous version that we were presented with from her mirror verse. And I mean, this is kind of, I I have more questions that maybe we could do a whole other episode about this mirror verse, because I, I I'm fascinated by it. I don't know a whole lot about it, but at the same time, my understanding is it is a world full of more evil doppelgangers of everyone. It's cutthroat. It is, brutal and if you're operating in a complete universe of everyone else who's opt uh, opportunistic and evil like that what does it end up transforming you into like this is about um how environment cultivates the type of nature versus nurture (laughs) nature versus nurture and and how how if you're put into a positive environment, can you redeem yourself around people who actually encourage the best in you? I think and that's the story we're getting because that that is what Star Trek largely is about. It's about trying to better yourself, learning from that example, growing. Um, and I think uh, Chupi had a great comment in the in the chat here. She says, one thing about Giorgio or Mira Giorgio is that her behavior in the mirror universe was, that was how it was done, normal, in the MU. She's not a person committing these acts in the prime universe where it is seen in a completely different light. So, yeah, to your point, Grant, that's just the way things were done in the mirror universe. Hey, we all committed genocide. I was just following orders. <laughs> and that's, uh, <laughs> but no, you're, there is something to that. Um, in order 
to have any kind of, not just power, in order to survive in that universe, you have to be cutthroat. And that that's not how it is in a prime you. Yeah. And I think we've seen this storyline before in lots of characters. You know, we have Seven of Nine. Uh, we have uh, K- uh, Commander Kira from Deep Space Nine. Major Kira. You know, we have a Major Kira. Um, you know, we have a lot of characters who have committed, ter- have done terrible things, but have found ways to redeem themselves and to figure out these things. It, it is a little bit different in in some cases. You know, the Borg characters were under the Hive Mind Collective, and and all of that can be said. And there's some chat about this in in the comments as well. But I think it is something we've seen before, and it I'll be interested mostly to see if she does go through that redeeming arc, or if she just stays mid level evil the whole time and what that ha- what that does well, one of the best things about this kind of character though is like you, you think about like benjamin linus and lost again lost um but uh spike shot, and y'all. buffy this is the drinking game uh sark and uh <laughs> alias i guess um you have this kind of nemesis character who who does the bad things and is the dangerous character who's a very useful resource (laughs) for the characters right for the plot like we can't do this but we need someone who can and we've already seen how she's operated in this uh, prime universe when the federation tapped her and been like we need you to help us with this war because we don't know how to get out of it and you are a dangerous (laughs) weapon that we want to point in the most useful direction for us and and seeing her kind of just kind of pop in to plots here or there to be pointed as a weapon and, and just thrown in a particular direction is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think there's something else at play here that's going to be interesting. I've been thinking about this as we're talking and whether or not I think redemption is possible. And I, and I still don't have a full answer to that. But what I do think we'll see is growth and evolution um, for two reasons. One, as people have been mentioning, the environment. The environment in the prime universe is different, right? And while she'll test that boundaries and grant to your point, she will be the edge of the sword that they use to do things that they wouldn't or they would question doing. And she'll find herself going, saying, you know, I, I, I will do the things that you can't do. But also, I think that what we're, where we're going to see her evolve is this relationship with Burnham. Because no matter what happens, we're still looking at a very significant kind of coach, coachy, mentor, mentee, mother-daughter relationship in some form uh, or another. Even though they're from different universes, they know each other so well. They care about each other so much. And I think that, like any mentee-mentor relationship, Burnham, Prime Universe Burnham, is going to have a a significant impact on Mirror Universe Giorgio. I just think there's no way around it. And will it soften her to the point that she'll be warm and cuddly? No chance, right? But will it bring her just on this side of homicidal maniac? Sure. And so I think we'll we'll see something around that. I mean, yeah. not asking for much. Just <laughs> stop the genocide. That's all I'm you saying. You know, as, as long as they don't do that trope. You can, they, you can like, still eat Kelpians. 
Don't eat, don't eat, don't eat Saru, please. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm I just want, kidding. I want Doug Jones on the show. As long as they don't do that trope of, um, like, wiping her memory, you know, and she forgets mm-hmm. and she's a different person. So they hit the reset button that way so we can forgive her of her sins. You know, they did that. They've done that in a number of TV shows. The last, the last one I remember was iZombie, where they did it with one of the main villains. And it was just kind of like, ugh. But But do you see her moving toward, like, active regret? I mean, I feel like she's a product no. of that environment. And she knows what she did to survive. And she just kind of owns it. She's not necessarily looking to recreate that in an environment where she doesn't need to. Right. Yeah. I don't think we've seen very much remorse from her character. I think it's more she's continually op- like opportunistic with all of the things that are going on uh, and finding ways to use her skill set to survive. She is first and foremost a survivor and right. then also someone who's power hungry. And so, you know, I think the 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 Trek trope would be to give her this redemption arc, but I I honestly would be more interested in seeing how she's going to continually manipulate the system to get what she wants and needs out of things because I'm not sure that level of of evil can be totally redeemed, right? Like we don't we don't see that very often with full villains unless it's a, a children's show, which this is not. You know, we don't get the nice wrapped up lesson at the end of the show where everyone learns <laughs> no that they did something moment. bad. No full house moments, no adventure time moments. You know, mm-hmm. it's like these these characters, I think she's going to continue to be less evil, but evil is going to still be at the core and foundation of her character. But but to your point, like her relationship with Burnham does kind of show those glimmers. Like that maternal relationship there shows regret. That's the that's the place where we are starting to kind of break through the cracks and and get her to be more prime human. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right, but I think she, I think she really represents something that we saw in Deep Space Nine. By the way, guys, I like that Deep Space Nine show. I don't know if you've watched it. Let me write that I had down. No idea. It's really Deep, good. Deep Some Space. Call what? it DS Nine. That's a show. Star That's Trek a Deep show? Space Nine. What is it? Yeah. The, what's it about? I saw a campaign online to get Deep Space Nine in HD 4K, and I'm here for it. Let's continue that conversation. Yeah, let's get all the old <laughs> all the old Star Trek shows in HD 4K, please. Oh, you're not gonna like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and actually, it, it looked really good. They did some DS Nine scenes in um, in high def in the uh, documentary, and it looked pretty good. Um, but uh, Section 31 was introduced in Deep Space Nine. And all the Section 31 stories were boiled down to this dichotomy that we see between cynicism, which is basically what fuels Section 31, and hope, which is what fuels Starfleet. That tension was really palpable and powerful in those storylines. And I think that's what we're going to get and what we have been getting with George O. Because um, in season two, the way the Federation tried to use her to to blow up the Klingon homeworld uh, to win the war, that tactic was not based in hope or progressive values or anything like that. Those things that we 
associate with Starfleet and Federation. They were based in cynicism. This war is not going to end. These people are never going to be our allies. We need to destroy them. So let's activate this Benjamin Linus-esque asset that can do this for us. That really reminded me of DS9 Section 31 stories. Whenever there is a huge threat that has the Federation almost on its knees, Section 31 is activated to try to do something terrible and cynical to eliminate the threat. So I think it's a natural choice for Star Trek to create a character like Mirror Yu Georgiou to embody the um, kind of the ethos of Section 31. Uh, so I don't think she's going to uh, be redeemed. I don't think she's going to have a change of heart over who she is. I don't think she's going to break down and say, sorry, I ate all those Kelpians. That was wrong. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we will, and we have seen a softening of her character when she is around Michael Burnham, who is a person who she obviously loves. And when you are connected to someone that way, they will influence you. And Michael Burnham, we've seen, is the shining beacon of hope in Discovery. She's the one who drags everybody towards the light. Uh, and I think she's really doing that with Mira Giorgio and will continue to do that. But she can only do it up to a point. Giorgio is still going to be bad. And uh, she's going to create Section 31. And it's going to be based in who she is, who is this, this dark character. You know, I don't want her to change too much. And the reason why is because I think there's an opportunity to, to say something with the character. So if you think about the, you know, we've been talking about, you know, nature versus nurture. We've been talking about the environment. If you look at the mirror universe almost as like a culture, right? So that we, we've brought her from this, this, this foreign culture, this, this alien culture. I don't know that we need or want or there's benefit in the whole to have her assimilate and become prime universe Georgiou. I think that there is something to be said for the way she the way she kind of cut her teeth and became emperor and the experience that she's she had that might actually be a benefit to the federation, right? That maybe, you know, to your point, Mike, maybe there's a time for scientific journey and maybe the ideals that the Federation stand up for are fantastic. But maybe you also need, you know, a sharp sword, right, to stand up to the Klingons, the Romulans, the Cardassians, like not for nothing, yes, the Federation is about scientific exploration, but they also have quite a number of war machines at their disposal. Um, and so maybe you need both. And I think that Giorgio can have a pretty significant impact on the Federation kind of being this, having this duality, if rather than assimilate, they can kind of learn from from her and the tactics. I mean, she was emperor when you like think about that for a second, like she she ran the whole thing, so she at the very least understands politics and strategy. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Lots to think about and talk about with uh, with both Giorgio's, especially Mary Giorgio. Um, guys, I do want to I do want to wrap it up. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod. We will be back next week, uh, Thursday, 9 p.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Just go to StarTrekPod.co for links to watch the live stream on any of those platforms. What are we doing next week? Are we covering the Lower Decks episode of TNG? Do you guys want to do that? I think we should. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. So, Clyde, you said that was in Season 7 of TNG, right? 7.15. All right. So everybody watch season seven, episode 15 of TNG Lower Decks, and we'll cover that episode next week. And we'll also, we'll see if we get any more uh, Lower Decks news, and we'll we'll talk about that on the pod as well. And I think that's all we got for this week. I do want to remind everybody to visit donate.startrekpod.co and help us raise funds. Uh, Mariah, can you remind us what we're raising funds for again? Yes, we'll be raising funds in the month of July for the Okra Project, which helps provide uh, in-home cooked meals for uh, Black trans folks uh, wherever they can reach them. I think they're primarily based in New York City. And then we'll also be raising funds for the Central Texas Food Bank, who provide over 200,000 meals per month in Central Texas. And that's in our hometown of Austin. Yep. Doing good stuff. So yeah, start uh, donate.startrekpod.co. Help us raise those funds so we can continue to do some good things for our community. All right, Grant, can you let people know how they can help us out? Uh, yeah, I mean, once again, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Pod. Go there and make a per episode pledge. Give us two bucks um, an episode and you can join us in our private Slack channel. We also do exclusive little episodes for... Um, our patrons just show our thanks, our gratitude, including uh, the uh, Badass Women of Trek series that Mike and Mariah have been doing and us doing our reviews of some of the Star Trek films. So if you guys want to come check that out, it's patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. And as always, a reminder, um, hey, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, you can reach us at Star Trek Pod. Tweet about this episode. Please let people know how much we were in the weeds on Philippa Giorgio. Um, and as always, I want to give a shout out to two people who keep the trains running uh, on, on our social media feeds. Shout out to Karen, who runs our Twitter, and James Worm, who helps out on our Insta. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod Live. Remember, we're asking you to help promote the podcast on Reddit. On, on Reddit. On Red Reddit. Up. <laughs> Red up, man. So hit up the uh, Star Trek fan subreddits, post our episodes. If you see anyone talking about Star Trek podcasts, let them know you listen to Star Trek Discovery Pod. Thanks so much, Clyde. Where can we follow you online and hear more from you? You can find me at Clyde Haynes or... You can get me at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Grant Davis. Uh, at Baron Von Grant. Mariah. At Mariah Gossett. That's Mariah with Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. Follow me on Twitter at Mike M. Garcia. Live long and prosper. <laughs>